That was a good, simple introduction. No titles, no honorifics. These days, titles are quite dangerous to have, if you know what I mean. As uh, Pastor Karen rightly said, uh, I'm a member of GT. If you have not seen me, then it only tells me and tells you one thing, that you have not been to Sunday services. Because I come for the Sunday service, the second service to be exact. I'm just like anyone seated here this evening. I work Mondays to Fridays, 9 o'clock to 7 p.m., sometimes 8 p.m., which is quite normal in Kuala Lumpur these days. Fridays I attend cell. Sunday I attend services. So just like all of us here, I'm just like one of you. The only difference today is you are seated there, I'm standing here. I'm doing all the talking and you're doing all the listening. That's the only difference. But listening is good because the Word of God says, hearing, hearing the Word of God brings faith. So I pray this evening that you will just lend me your ears. Don't give me your ears. I don't want your ears. Just lend me your ears and hear what God has to say. There will only be two slides up, up there today. It is not an April Fool joke. I'm serious. There's only two slides. I know we like slides. I like slides. I see PowerPoint slides almost every week. It, it gives us information and it makes us think. But more than just to think this evening, I would like for you to feel. Thinking comes from the mind, but feeling comes from the heart. So this evening, it will be good for you to feel. Feel what God is saying. Feel, God, feel what God is telling you. Feel the presence of God so that you can go away today not just having to remember what you saw on the PowerPoint, not ha just having to remember what it was up on the PowerPoint, but to know and feel that God touched your life today. Now, you look kind of serious. I'm getting worried now. Can we just stand now and just read what the Word of God says today? The title of that message today is a very common message, What Samson Didn't Know About Delilah. Now, all of us know who Delilah was. And we also know who Samson was. But Samson, during his time, didn't know certain things about Delilah. So let's just read the book of Judges. Judges chapter 16. Can we have the next slide, please? Yes, Judges chapter 16, verse 4 to 5. Let us read together these two verses. The third slide. That's the last slide. <laughs> now, afterwards it happened that he loved a woman in the valley of Sorek, whose name was Delilah. Verse 5. Because there's so little slides, we just want to prolong it. Now verse 5, And the lords of the Philistines came up to her and said to her, Entice him, find out where his great strength lies, and by what means we may overpower him, that we may bind him to afflict him, and every one of us will give you 1,100 pieces of silver. May God bless the reading of his word. Let us pray. Father, we come to this evening in the name of Jesus. And we know, Lord, as we come before you, Lord, we ask today that you will grant us the ears to hear what your Spirit is saying to us. We ask, Lord, for wisdom. We ask, Lord, for discernment. Above all, we ask, Lord, for a heart that is open to receive what revelation that you will have for us. Bless this time. Bless every hearer here 
this evening. Bless your word. In Jesus' name we ask and pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you. you may be seated in God's wonderful presence. Now, very quickly, I just chose only two verses because this entire story, this message involves chapter 13 of Judges, chapter 14 of Judges, chapter 15 of Judges, and chapter 16. So if you were to read all this, after that, we can say the benediction and you can go home. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to try and paraphrase and bring everything together in a simple message this evening to tell us that this is about a call that God made to a man. A call that God specially chose for this man called Samson to do a work for him in his time and in his age. Everybody knows, I mean, if you have been to Sunday school, you will know who Samson was. And if you mention the name Samson, the name Delilah automatically comes. I'm sure you have been to Sunday school. Those of you who have been to Sunday school, you have heard of this story, Samson and Delilah. There is, there's a song written about them. I don't know how it goes, but I know there's a song. It goes like, run, Samson, run, Delilah is on the way. That's how this song goes. So, Samson was a man that God called to do a task for him during this history, this period of uh, Israel's history, right after the death of Joshua. Joshua was the one who brought the entire population of Israel into the promised land. And he was the leader over more than a million Jews at that time. But the sad thing that Joshua did not do was that he did not have a successor. That was the sad thing. Moses did the right thing. He had a successor. His successor was Joshua. But Joshua, when he passed on, he never passed on his mantle to a successor. And as a result, after Joshua, the book of Joshua, comes the book of Judges. There was no one leading the people. And the book of Judges mentions it very clearly. All the people did what was right according to their eyes. They just did what seems right in their eyes. And everybody did everything and anything that they felt was right in their heart. So they followed all kinds of uh, idol worship. They did all kinds of rituals and cultures that was alien to them, that was against the rule and the commandments of God. And as a result, they faced judgment. The hand of judgment of God came upon their lives and they were oppressed by their enemies. They were treated like slaves by their enemies. And every time they were in, the in a case of suffering, they would cry out to God. And God being God, ever merciful, would answer them and raise up a judge. So at this point of time in their history, the Philistines were ruling and reigning over the lives of every Jew in that land. They were the ones dominating their lives. They were the ones dominating how they should do, what they should do. So the, the Jews were oppressed. And they were crying out to God. And God raised up a man called Samson. And in chapter 13, it starts by God speaking to the mother of Samson. She was barren. The father's name was Manoah from the, the town of uh, Zorah. And one day, the angel of the Lord appeared to the mother and told the mother that you will be with a child, a male child. And the condition for that will be she was to bring him up so that he cannot, he should not, and he must not take strong drinks. That means he can't take alcoholic drinks. Second, he is not supposed to eat any unclean things. Third, he is to keep a vow called a Nazarite vow. A vow that will not, you are not allowed to cut your hair or shave your hair. So these were the three conditions that the angel of the Lord spoke to the mother. And she told the husband about this angel appearing to her. And when the father asked, did you ask him his name? 
She said, no. We must always find out who is the one talking to us, isn't it? You need to know. Every time you make a call, people on the other side will ask, who is that speaking? So the second time that the angel of the Lord appeared to the mother, she went and called the father, the husband, to come. And the husband asked, what is your name? And the angel of the Lord said, my name is I Am. Now that is a great name. Every time you see in the Bible the name I Am, it means Jesus. He is the I Am God. When Moses asked, what name shall I tell Pharaoh? Who has sent me? And God told Moses, say that I Am sent you. The God that you and I serve today is an I am God. It's a today God. It's a now God. He didn't say I was or I will be. He says I am. And you are here today and I'm saying to you, Jesus is still the I am. In two weeks' time, He will say, I am the resurrection. In two weeks' time, He will say, I am the life. He is the I am. He is the now God. If you are sick today, God says, I am and willing to heal you. If you are oppressed, Jesus will say, I am willing to set you free. Now, it is now. It's not about, I'll think about it. I will consider it. I will pray about it. If that was the case, you and I, we myself forget it. But Jesus says, I am. And when he told his name to Manoah, Manoah realized and knew, this is God. I am the Yahweh God. And he believed. And so, Samson was born. Samson had a calling on his life. A calling that came with a special anointing. And that anointing was that he had a special gift. It was a gift of great physical strength. He had the strength of ten oxes. He was like Hercules. And that was his gifting, his anointing. And he had, he had a purpose in life. God had a destiny for this man. He was raised up to deliver his people from the hands of the Philistines. But as the story goes, he decided to choose his own path. He chose his own path. He went a different direction. He went a different way. And that's what happens many a times with us. All of us seated here, we have been called. I have been called, you have been called. But many times, we choose a different path. Instead of following God's call and destiny, we choose our own path, maybe out of convenience, maybe out of fear, maybe out of doubt. We don't know. But we choose a different path to follow and we find that God does not force that path that he has chosen for us onto us God is a gentleman we have our own will and we decide to follow God's path or to follow our own path so Samson had his own mind and he followed his own path now that's what happens with most of us sometimes we like to follow something that is convenient. We like to follow something that is easy. We like to follow something that is uh, useful and easy to achieve. Isn't it? In life, why you want to struggle so hard? Right? Easy way. Why, in life, why do you need to fast? If you get something without fasting, it's much better, isn't it? Why do you need to, to come and pray every morning at 6.30 in the morning? It's better to sleep in the house. I can still get things done. So in life, we always like to choose the easy way out. But Samson never realized what was actually behind the scenes. Samson never knew the path that he decided to choose. There were many potholes. There were many bumps, and finally it ended with his death. That's, that's the story. 
of Samson. Now whatever it is, your call that God has on your life, there is a special anointing that comes with it. If you don't know about it, then this is revelation to you this evening. There's an there's a, there's anointing upon every one of us here. Because when God calls us, He gives us an anointing, a special, a, a supernatural strength to be able to carry out the call that He has for us so that we can do and complete the destiny that God has for us in this life. One of the biggest obstacles that we will have and challenge that we will face is that the enemy will not leave us alone. I've got news for all of us. The news is that we have an enemy that has been at work for more than 6,000 years. His name is Satan. He was there in the Garden of Eden during the time of Adam and Eve. He has been around for all these years and he knows every human weakness. He knows every human need. He knows all the weaknesses that we have. He knows us like the back of his hands. If we think you are one step ahead of the devil, remember, he's two steps ahead of us. The only thing that makes the difference is that we have an I am God. And his name is Jesus Christ. Wow, you all don't believe me. You all miss a good place to say praise the Lord. Amen. Give God the praise. Amen. This is not an ordinary God that you and I are serving. So, so Samson grew up as a strong man. And as we said, he chose his own path. But somehow, the anointing of God was upon this man. This gifting that God had upon him was already there, evident in his life. Everyone knew about this great strength that Samson had. And one day, he happened, chance upon a beautiful lady in a town called Timnath. It was situated in the land where the Philistines were staying. She was a Philistine woman. And he fell in love with her. And he came back and told his parents, I want to marry this woman. Now, Jews know very well that they have been given instructions not to have intermarriages. The reason being, God knew that if they were to marry into this culture, they may end up following idolatry. But Samson insisted, he wanted to marry this woman. So the parents couldn't do much. So they went with him to meet up with this other family, the family of this woman in that town. And on that way, as the Bible tells us, a lion came along in their path to attack them. And Samson stood out, got hold of the lion, and ripped the lion in two. Now that's the type of strength he has. That's the type of anointing God gave this man. He, with his bare hands, he actually ripped the lion in two and he threw the carcass or the dead lion into the fields. And he went on his way with his parents as if nothing happened. That's the type of anointing that God has given this man. The anointing that God gave him to deliver the people out of bondage. Now you may be asking yourself now, what a waste isn't it? What a waste. He could have done so much for the kingdom of God. We have seen in our time, many ministers would have special anointing, would be so used by God, would have been so blessed, and then all of a sudden you don't hear about them. Something happens. Some moral issues, financial issues, and then we will say, what a waste. But let me say this to you. When God calls a person, He will continue to work on that person, whether he is on the ground 
or he's standing up. God is not finished with anyone. No matter what position you're in, no matter what mistakes you made, no matter how bad your fall is, God is not done with your life. Amen. He is not like us to say that you are finished, your reputation is gone, your, 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 your ministry is gone, everything is gone, you are, you, you are no more use to society. No, no sir, God says He will extend His hands and pull you out from the miry clay. So if you are seated here this evening to say that you are nobody, you are gone, you are finished, you are not finished yet. God is not finished with us. We are still work in progress. And whatever Samson was doing, he was not doing it right. But anyhow, God was still with this man. The anointing was upon him. He went to that house with his family, with his parents. They made all the arrangements. They decided how much to give in dowry, I suppose. How many tables to, to, to have, who to invite. And then on their way back, on their way back, Samson saw the lion that he killed and the carcass that was lying by the field. And he noticed a swarm of bees around the carcass, the dead lion. And then he went there to examine closer. They had actually built a, a hive in the dead body and there was honey. And Samson took that honey and he ate it. And he gave his father some to eat. Now you say, what's so wrong with this? The wrong thing was, he broke a vow. He was not supposed to eat anything unclean. But you may say, hey pastor, he ate the honey but he didn't eat the lion. But I'm saying to you, the bees built the honey on the lion. So whatever that is from the honey has been contaminated by the dead carcass. So when you eat the honey, you are also contaminated. Honey may look sweet, but sometimes honey can give us a bitter taste. So he broke his first vow. This was the, the moment where his road gets more slippery where there are more potholes now in his life. He went on to get married to this woman. They had a feast for seven days. Seven long days. Now, in those days, when they marry, they really celebrate. That's Jewish culture. Seven long days they celebrate. And when they celebrate... They don't drink water, they drink wine. Okay? Just for your information. Now, how I know? Because when Jesus was invited to a wedding feast at Cana, he changed wine into water. Wow, you're laughing. That means you know, huh? It's not water into wine, huh? water into wine, isn't it? Not wine into water. So, that is the norm, that is the culture. Many years ago, I shared this message on the wedding at Cana and one youth stood up and said, Pastor, that wine uh, is non-alcoholic. I said, nonsense. He said, yeah, I can show you Google. You show me what year. During those days, they have never invented a method to distill the wine and remove the alcohol. Amen? All wine had alcohol. The next day, the senior pastor called me. He says, so you say you can, you told them they all can drink wine. Now I'm going to qualify this, okay? Jesus changed water into wine. I didn't. So I'm just telling you what the Bible says, okay? So don't tell the senior pastor, I told you you can go today and drink one bottle of wine. But it's okay to drink wine. Amen. We won't die drinking wine. It's just that the Bible says don't get drunk with wine. Now, in that, in that wedding, Samson told the, some, some of the men in that crowd who attended his wedding, he said, I have a riddle for you. 
If you can guess what this riddle is, if you can interpret this riddle, I will give you 30 clothes, linen, and 30 changes of clothes. That's the bet. And so this man said, okay, tell me what the riddle is. And Samson told them the riddle. And they were for, for the seven days, they were guessing and trying to figure out what this riddle was. And by the third day, they were getting very worried because they knew that they didn't have the answer. And if they didn't have the answer, they would have to pay. So they, what they did, they caught hold of Samson's wife and warned her and threatened her. They says, if you don't get the answer from your husband, we are going to burn your house and your father's house. So she got worried and she started to cry and weep before Samson, begging him for the answer. So Samson, being pestered every day for the answer, he couldn't take it. Finally, he told her the, the, the answer. And she took it and told these guys. And on the seventh day, they came and told Samson the answer. And he had no choice but to give them the price. The problem was he didn't have the price. So he used his anointing. He went to another town. He killed some more Philistines, took whatever they have, and then gave it to these people. So what he did was, He's using his anointing to get what he wants. Smart, isn't it? We can do that. We can abuse the anointing. And that was what he was doing. But in the process of abusing his anointing, he has started already to kill Philistines. The original plan of God was to deliver Israel from the Philistines. Now, Samson is doing what God had actually wanted, but not the way that God wants it. Then he went back and he divorced his wife because he was so angry that the wife betrayed him. He divorced her. And the father-in-law was forced to marry her daughter to the best man. Wow. You look at this story. Uh, this is classic case uh, of the Korean pop, uh, those movies that you see. Uh. It happened in this age, you know, in the time of Judges. So this has been going on for a long time. It's not just happening today. These type of stories don't happen today. It's been happening all. That's why I say the devil knows us. He has been studying us for 6,000 years. So he divorced his wife. She married his best man and he went home. And after a while, he regretted his actions. He came back and he asked the father-in-law for the wife back. The father-in-law said, father said, cannot already. She already married to this man, the best man. You want, I have another daughter. But he didn't accept it. So he got very angry. He went out into the fields. He caught 300 foxes, tied up their tails, torched them, set the foxes into the fields. And the foxes ran through the fields. And as it ran, all the grain and the wheat and the corn caught fire. The vineyard caught fire. The olive groves caught fire. They, he burned down everything that the Philistines grew in their, in, their, in their land out of anger. If you ask me, is he helping God to carry out his plans? Well, in a way he is. But his fall came. The anointing. I want you to know, church, the anointing is a gift of God. Anything God gives us is irrevocable. It's just like you give a present to your friend. You don't go back to your friend next week and say, chop, chop, give me back the gift. If you give a gift to someone, it is irrevocable. You don't ask it back. When God gave Samson this gift, it was irrevocable. How Samson used it, that's the issue now. He abused this gift. And because he abused this gift, he did all these things. And he was going down. This, this, these things of what he was doing was pulling him down spiritually. One fall after another. He broke the vow. He took alcohol. He ate unclean things. And now, he's about to break his Nazarite vow. 
many of us, we may say, we are not like Samson. We don't have our Delilahs. But I can say, sometimes we may have our Delilahs. It comes in different forms. It doesn't have two legs, two hands. Our Delilah may be our job or our career. Our Delilahs may be our relationships. Our Delilahs may be our fears, our weaknesses. Our Delilahs may be our habits, our drinking, gambling, whatever it is. That could be our Delilah. We may be following something out of the way. We may be going in a way where God doesn't want us to go. That is our Delilah. Samson was going on the wrong direction. He went to town. After doing that, he went to town to look for a prostitute. That was what he was doing. He looked for a prostitute. And after that, he saw Delilah and he fell in love with her. It was love at first sight. He did everything according to what his eyes saw was right. Without having to think about what God would have to say. So, what I'm saying here tonight, church, is that many times we allow the enemy to come in, but he doesn't come in straight away and steal that anointing. It was in stages. It was a foothold, and then step by step, you can see that Samson now was going in a totally different direction. And that is what happens with many of us. If we allow the enemy to come in, when we compromise in our lifestyle, in our worldly relationships, in our ungodly relationships, in our ungodly uh, uh, activities, when we compromise on all these things and still find that it's not so wrong because it's okay and still come to church, then we are compromising because we think that God doesn't know. And it's okay. But the danger is, as we go down the road, when we allow the enemy to take one foothold, one step, and then he takes over completely our lives. This is what's happening now to Samson. He sees prostitutes. Now he falls in love with Delilah. And now he comes into the grips of Delilah. He comes to her house, stays with her, sleeps on her lap, and Delilah is approached by the lords of the Philistines, as you just read. They are out to get him because they know that he has a secret to the strength, and they want to know that secret so that they can destroy him. So they are willing to pay big money for that secret, and they're willing to offer it to Delilah if she can extract the secret from Samson. So Samson lies at the lap of Delilah, and Delilah says, what is the secret of your strength? And of course, Samson, being Samson, he still thinks that he's, uh, he's invincible, he's powerful, he toys around with her, just fools around. Never toy around with the enemy because eventually you get caught. He tells Delilah, if you get some bowstrings, unused and un not dried bowstrings, but wet bowstrings, you tie me up, that will weaken my strength. So she did. Delilah did what Samson said. And when she tied him up with those bowstrings, and when he was asleep, she says, the Philistines are upon you. He woke up and he broke the strings and he walked out. That was the first time. The second time, Delilah asked him, what is the secret of your strength? And she told, you have to use new ropes, ropes that have not been tied before, ropes that have not been used before. Use new ropes and tie me up 
And then, that will weaken my strength. And she did that. And when she went and did all that, and he, he slept, and she said, the Philistines are upon you. And he woke up, he broke those strings. Now, Delilah was quite upset now because she has been cheated twice. So, Delilah said, how can you say you love me when I ask you a question and you are not telling me the truth? So, Samson says, okay. Now, at this point, Samson is trading on very thin ground because he told Delilah, the seven locks of my hair, when you bind it up and tie it up and put it in the loom, then that will weaken my strength. But you and I know that's not the truth. But half of the secret has been revealed. It's in the hair. Amen? He is trading on thin ground. He has already revealed half of that secret to Delilah. And true enough, when he got up again, when uh, Delilah said, the Philistines are upon you, he got up, he broke open, he pulled the loom apart, and he walked out. And Delilah this time was really, really upset. And she said, this is the last time I'm going to ask you for that secret. And she pestered him. Pestered him. That's the gift of a woman. Amen. It's a special gift. A woman has a discernment. Man, take it from me, I'm married more than 30 years. Huh? A woman has that gift that man doesn't have. They can sense, they have sixth sense, they have discernment, call you what they like. They know something is not right. They can smell you out from miles away. You don't even have to utter a word. Just by you walking in, they know something is not right. They can ask you, where do you go? Then you tell, ah, somewhere. Where do you go? Somewhere lah. With who? Well, the questions come until the end and you got no choice but you tell the truth. That gift has been designed by God. Ladies, you might as well pat yourself at the back. It's a gift. That's why God says, for this reason, a man must leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife and they both shall become one. You cannot run away. It must be one. Think alike, act alike. Amen. That's the gift. That's God's design. Cannot change it. And only one. That's why God made it such a way so that you only have one. If you try to have two, they will know and find out. If you're thinking of having two, they will also know and find out. Somehow, they can sense it. Okay? So men, be careful. So now, Samson now is losing his patience. Finally, he breaks the news and tells her the secret. He says, the secret is in my hair. Take it off and I will lose my strength. So Delilah finally decided, this is it. He very diligently put Samson to sleep. And then he summoned a hairstylist to come in. Hairstylist maybe from a cut above, I think. She was sleeping, he was sleeping on her lap. So she summoned the hairstylist to come and shave his hair. By now, his hair was long because all these years, he was not supposed to cut his hair. So his hair was like tied up in seven locks. Huge, big bundle. When they shave his hair, he became Bota, Kojak. And this time, she shouted and told Samson, get up, the Philistines are upon you. And he got up thinking that once again, I will put them all to the ground. He didn't realize the anointing was gone. He didn't realize that his strength was gone. When they caught hold of him, he knew. He felt his hair was his head was very smooth. No more hair. He lost his anointing. 
And they caught hold of him finally. He lost his strength. He lost everything that God has given him. God didn't take it from him. He lost it. He gave it away. Amen? He gave it away. He gave away his anointing. They caught him, took out his eyes, and put him into prison. Now, why am I saying this to you? I'm telling you this story is because many of us seated here, somehow over the years, the anointing has diminished. Some of us may be on the verge of losing it. Some of us are in danger of stepping into an area where we are no more protected under the anointing of God. Some of us, because of what we are doing or what we are not doing, somehow we don't feel the strength that God has given us when we were Christians in our early years. I have lost this anointing myself. I'm going to be very plain with you. None of us are perfect here. Samson was not perfect. We are not perfect. If anyone thinks that they are perfect, then they shouldn't be sitting in the church. Amen. None of us are perfect. All of us have weaknesses. All of us have made mistakes. Just like Samson. I have lost the anointing many times. I came to know the Lord in 19, can't remember, 1974 in school. When I went to college, I backslided because the world looked better, friends sound better. I wanted to keep friends and I succumbed to peer pressure. I'm sure you understand what I mean. When you're in college, you have friends and you want to make sure you keep those friends and as a result, you compromise on your stand. And I compromised on my stand and I, as a result, I lost the anointing over a period of 10 years. When I came out from college, I went for a 6 months internship in Goping joining a very big British company called Osborne and Chapel. They are a big mining concern. That time, Tin Mine was one of the top money earners in the country. And this British company had huge tin mines spread out all over this town called Goping. They had a huge facility. They have their own power station. They have their own generators. They have, everything was their own. They even have a village. They have their own doctors. They have houses. They have their own mini hydro plant up in the hills. We were sent there to work. They provided us with a bungalow house, four of us. And they paid us, listen to this, they paid us 110 ringgit a month as allowance. Today, 110 ringgit won't carry you far, won't even carry you one week. That's how much we got for our allowance. Lodging was provided, and that was it. You have to look for your own food. But I knew how to survive. I didn't need God. I knew who God was, but I didn't need God. I knew how to survive. We started a gambling session in the bungalow. And all those staying around there, the residents staying around there would come every night. We will have big gambling sessions, a mini Gunting Highlands. And I was good at gambling because I started the gambling career much earlier in school. So with, with the gift of gambling, the gift of gambling, I was able to raise money to buy a motorbike, a Yamaha 125. Great, isn't it? It only cost 700 ringgit. That was all I was able to raise. I didn't have enough to buy a helmet. Couldn't afford an RI helmet. 
The only helmet I used was the safety helmet that we wore to the mining, mining facility. Every night, we will be gambling. There were nights that we will lose. There were nights that we will win. We will win big. And every time we win big, we will go down to Ipoh. Ipoh was our playground. Amen? It was only 30 kilometers away. We will go down in a group, like what you see today with the rumpits. Of course, we don't do funny tricks on the road. We will paint the town red in Ipoh. Three of us out of the four will go to Ipoh. The fourth guy, he will stay in his room and he will be totally knocked out on his bed. He was high on ganja. Really high. And he couldn't move. And we will observe him because by the morning, he will be up fully energized and he will go to work. But by evening, when all the goodness of the ganja has worn off, he will be down. He will need another round. And we will observe him and out of curiosity, one night we decided to try what he was trying. We had a whiff of ganja. Man, it felt good. It felt nice. I can tell you, we don't do that these days. Nowadays, we take designer drugs, right? We take designer drugs, we pop the pill, and it keeps us going in the clubs. But I know what it's like. One foothold into that slippery ground, and you keep doing it, you will slip in further and further into that hole. And before long, you'll be trapped in that hole. The only person who is able will probably be Jesus who can pull you out. These days, the only place I go is Zook. Wow, you're all laughing, huh? You all heard of Zook, right? Come on. Don't pretend lah. But sorry to tell you, I only end up as far as the parking lot. And I go in the daytime. Because next door to Zook is the RHB Bank. That's my destination. Wow, I see how Pastor Karen got worried, you know. My boss, you know. Wow, go to Zook ah. Yeah, I go to the car park only. Because in the daytime, the car park is cheap. No one goes to Zook. What a relief, huh, Pastor Karen. Huh? I know where Zook is. I know what Zook is. I know how Zook is. I don't need to enter there. But if you want to go in, nobody can stop you, right? But let me, be, let me warn you. One foothold, and the next foothold, if you're not careful, then it will be a slippery path down, downhill. Somehow, we never got to appreciate the ganja that our housemate was taking. We were more involved in much meaningful adventure, gambling. It brought us much more greater rewards. But that too had, had its uh, very sad ending. It had its very sad ending. I lost the anointing over that years as I came out to work. This anointing that was so precious, I lost it. For 10 years, I was just moving on my own. Like a new age man, I make my own decisions. I decide on my own choices. I make my own way of how I want to run my life. But I realized eventually it came to nothing. Now, how it all ended, probably the next time when I have the opportunity to preach, I will follow up with the next story. Too long. Too long to go on with this. But let me say this. Samson was in prison 
for as long as you and I know. He was in prison, blind, and they put him to work grinding the corn, moving the heavy stone to grind the corn. And those months or years that he was in prison, he must have repented. He must have regretted more than regret, he must have repented. You say, how I know, Pastor? I'll show you in the Bible. I'll show you in the Bible. A day came when all the Philistines, they were celebrating a festival in their temple to their god, Dagon. And one of them decided to call Samson out so that they may make a mockery of him and they may show him and present him to the people that this was the man that God chose with the anointing and strength of more than 10 oxes. They want to make a mockery of him and the God that he served. So they commissioned a young boy to lead him out to the temple. Samson came out, but this time he was not so bald already. His hair was grown now. And as his hair grew, his anointing came back. So while they were, while he was performing and they were mocking him in the temple, he told the boy to place his hands on the two huge pillars that was holding up the temple. There were 3,000 people in that temple at that time. And Samson finally prayed this prayer. That's why I say, I know this man repented. He prayed this prayer. He said, Remember me, O Lord, I pray. Strengthen me, O Lord, I pray. For just this one time, I pray, so that I can avenge myself on the Philistines for my two eyes. And with that prayer, God gave him back his supernatural strength and his anointing. And he was able to pull down the two pillars and the entire temple crashed and 3,000 Philistines died that day. In his death, he killed more Philistines than when he was alive. He set the nation of Israel free, liberated them. God gave him a second chance. God gave me more than a second chance. He gave me three or four chances. God can give you and I a second chance. So today, if you are seated here, if you have missed out and you know somehow this anointing upon your life, you feel that God is far away. You feel that God is no more near. You feel that somehow something has happened and there is a blockage. And you don't feel God as you have felt Him when you came to know Him. Along the way, the path of life, work has taken priority in your life. Family have taken priority in your life. Every other thing else has taken priority in your life except time with God. You have lost out in looking and searching for God. Tonight, God is here to renew that anointing. All you need to do is say, Remember me, O Lord, I pray. Strengthen me, O Lord, I pray. Just this one more time. The God that you and I serve is the God of the second chance. It's the God of the third chance. He's there to give us another chance. Nothing is final until God says it is final. Amen? So tonight I urge you, seated here, you can still receive that anointing. For Samson, he got back his anointing. That was... the prayer that he prayed. He repented in the prison and God heard his prayer and God answered him. So, you need to be honest and sincere with God and you need to tell God, I need you. I came back to the Lord 10 years after I went into the wilderness. The circumstances and the manner in which I came back 
was not easy, painful. But we have a loving God. We have a merciful God. And just like how He treated Samson, full of grace and mercy, God is extending His hands to all of us. There is a call on each one of our lives tonight. And God wants to renew that call once again. If you would like to stand with me now as the musicians come. You know, we are living in a time and age in our country where the challenges are going to get more challenging. Situations are going to be more. When I was working in internship, as I said, 110 ringgit, I was able to live quite comfortably. 110 ringgit. I didn't die of hunger. I didn't have to rob or steal the bank. But these days, even with 1,100 ringgit, it's difficult to live. It's hard to make ends meet. And it's going to get worse. It's not going to get any better. But thank God, we are here today serving an I am God. The I am God says, I am your provider. I am your source. I am everything to you. Not that I will be, not that I was, but I am. That's the difference. In our present time and age, we need Jesus more than ever before. And I seem to think, at this time, we need that anointing from God. The strength to see us through Mondays to Sunday. I work in the secular field. I know how challenging it is to face customers, to face clients, to face unreasonable customers where even when they are wrong, they are still right. Have you come across such clients like that? Have you come across bosses like that? Even when they are wrong, they are still right. Where you have to face difficult people, We need the grace of God. Because in situations like that, sometimes you can blow up in anger. You can feel like you want to take the guy by the collar and give him one big punch in the face. But the grace of God sees us through. Amen. I know what it's like to manage time because you leave your home at 6.30 in the morning take a two-hour journey to your office through the jam and there's really no time left for you to be alone with God I know what it's like I drive to Johor Bahru every other week three hours, four hours on the road that is my quiet time with God I spent four hours praying in tongues. That's the only time I have. Because I leave before the sun rises. And I come back on the same journey the same day and reach home when the moon is high up in the sky. The only time I have is those four precious hours going down and four hours coming up. And the faster I drive, the faster I speak in tongues. The faster I speak in tongues, the faster I arrive home. How is that? Now, I'm not asking you and encouraging you to drive 200 kilometers an hour. But that's a supernatural ability that God gives to us that certain things can be accelerated without you having to know it. You may not believe me, but try it. God can move mountains if you have the faith to believe it. 
God can move situations if you have the faith to believe. God can mend relationships if you have the faith to believe it. He is the I am God. He is the today God. Today, not tomorrow. Do not wait for tomorrow. This altar is open. I am not the giver of the anointing. God is the giver of the anointing. Jesus is the one that anoints. So if you are hungry for the anointing once again, if you are wanting to come up, come up praying, remember me, God, I pray. Strengthen me, God, I pray. For another chance, a second chance.